0: This is On Target—a look at politics, crime, education. What's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know? The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain.
1: Wow! Good afternoon, everyone. I say wow because I just happened to lift my head up and look across Kenmount Road, or tried—yeah, look at that, Dave. Tried to look over across at Kenmount Road. You can't see a thing. The fog has descended big time. Um, I do remember seeing a bit of fog this morning, but wow, that is something else completely obscuring the view. Um, Anyway, that's not the least of the troubles facing a lot of the province right now. We've had that uh, mix of uh, rain in some areas, um, freezing rain in some areas, snow in other areas. It's been a real mess, and it is continuing. And if you look at the radar, it's really quite extraordinary to see that band of precipitation coming right up from the Caribbean and uh, going through Newfoundland and across the North Atlantic and hitting now uh, France and Spain. So... uh really something else this big long line of precipitation and of course through central newfoundland they've seen a lot of freezing rain so um, a lot of schools in gander in particular are closed for the remainder of the day same thing in glenwood a uh, key in college in grand falls windsor closed for the remainder of the day all due to those icy conditions and we've seen some power outages as a result snow on the northern peninsula of course so there's going to be some great snowmobiling in that area once everything comes to a comes to a halt but um, be careful out there will you and if you don't need to head out uh, why don't you stick around and listen to the radio. Well this is the time of year when people look at themselves and vow to strive to make important lifestyle changes. We typically call them resolutions. Some people will resolve to lose weight or get more active or live a healthier lifestyle in general. Arguably one of the hardest and perhaps most important changes a person can make in their life is the decision to quit smoking but as anyone who has ever picked up the habit knows it's not easy anyone who is out there now who has quit smoking or is thinking about quitting or is working very very hard at not resuming smoking I commend you. You are doing one of the most difficult things that a person can possibly do so good on you for giving it a try. I recently saw a Facebook post actually about someone in my circle, uh, in my um, husband's family, as a matter of fact, who, uh, along with their mom, had reached the one year anniversary of quitting smoking. And they really seemed to appreciate and seemed to draw strength from the support that they received, people commending them, saying, hey, this is fantastic, something to celebrate. One year quitting smoking, you keep it up. So, uh, they really seem to thrive on that. Well, my guest today on On Target is Dr. Leslie Phillips. Uh, we've heard from her before, of course, and she runs the Quit Smoking and Vaping program at the Memorial University School of Pharmacy's Medication Therapy Services Clinic. It's at Tiffany Court here in St. John's. This happens to be National Non Smoking Week. Hello! Greetings. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, thanks for, uh, for joining us. So what is the Quit Smoking and Vaping Program? What do you do?
0: Well, um, I guess long story short, we help people <laughs> quit smoking or vaping. But we have, a, um, we have a pretty, what I would call, comprehensive program uh, here at the Clinic, Linda. And I, I should start by saying it's a free program. Uh, it's pharmacist-led. And we generally tend tend to tell people to expect to be with us for about um, 12 weeks or three months, minimally, because that's typically the minimum time that you want to offer treatment and support for smoking cessation. There's something kind of magical about 100 days quit. It's a good predictor of staying quit. So we will have you in. In fact, I have a new smoker coming this afternoon, but we'll have you in for two what I call pre-quit or pre-change visits uh, that are an hour long, a week apart. And we talk about what your goals are. And we talk about, uh, you know, your current smoking, your smoking history, maybe if you tried to quit before, why you've tried, did it work, did it not work, how come. We collect information on your current medical conditions as well as your current medications because that can sometimes impact what we might recommend for treatment. We talk about the cigarette and about what's in it and about nicotine addiction, so a lot of education. And we talk to you about what your options for quitting are or reducing, what, you know, how much you smoke, whatever your goals are, uh, based on all that information that we collect We can also, as pharmacists, prescribe uh, for the quit meds. So we will fax off a a prescription to your pharmacy. And um, then we'll see you regularly in follow-up and see how you're doing, uh, provide you support. We may have to tweak your quit medications if you're on them, et cetera. And um, we usually do that probably, they're shorter, but again, about once a week. Until you're doing well and then, you know, we might just to check in every two weeks or even I have a couple of people now that are down to monthly checks.
1: We often yeah. hear about people who um, are quitting other uh, addictive substances, uh, drugs or, or alcohol, and uh, we hear people talk about um, this period of detoxification or detoxifying your body or just getting, getting it out of the system, so to speak. Is the same true of nicotine?
0: Well, certainly it takes a while um, to get uh, nicotine out of your system. And by the way, nicotine's not the harmful part of the cigarette, but it is the part that keeps you smoking. It's the tar that has all the chemicals that cause all the, uh, the uh, diseases and, and, uh, you know, and death. But um, it's not just about um, dealing with the addiction. And let's be clear, smoking is not a bad habit. It is an addiction to nicotine. And in that regard, I think in particular, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend people consider a quit med because it really helps you deal uh, with that addiction to nicotine. But it's also about the changes that occur in your brain in this addiction center or reward center of your brain as a consequence of your smoking. And um you know the brain. There's a little there's a little uh, structure in your brain called the amygdala. It's really clever. It has a really good memory, and its focus is to keep you addicted. So it will try to encourage you to not quit. It'll remember once you've quit situations you were in, perhaps where you did have a cigarette, and it'll quickly remind you, Hey, you're having that cup of coffee, Linda. Remember when you used to give me a cigarette with that? How much we enjoyed it, and it'll it'll make you crave. So it's about Dealing with a nicotine addiction, but also over time, getting control over that part of your brain, laying down new memories of you doing those things that you used to do with a cigarette, but learning to do them without.
1: So is it the amygdala's fault or is it nicotine's effect on the amygdala? What What is nicotine's effect on the brain?
0: Well, I always say, I, I often joke around with my smokers and say, it's not your fault, blame the amygdala. <laughs> So, yes, definitely, there's a reward pathway in your brain and a lot of substances of abuse, uh, that's where they play a role. They, they interact with that pathway, and when they do, they cause a the release of dopamine, which is a feel-good chemical that the brain really likes. And uh, the quicker these substances can get into your brain um, and smoking, quickest way you can get nicotine into your brain is through smoking. Um, it delivers nicotine to your brain in 7 to 10 seconds. The quicker something gets in there and slams that part of your brain, the more dopamine it releases, the more pleasure, the more reinforcing it is. Ah, you get that feeling. Yeah, exactly. And then when you go without it, it doesn't take very long uh, for you to go into nicotine withdrawal. And so it becomes this, you know, uh, ongoing cycle. Of every, typically for most smokers, every 45 minutes, you're going into nicotine withdrawal and you need to have another cigarette to correct those symptoms. You know, you have a headache, feel anxious, you feel irritable, you feel stressed, sweaty, dizzy, you can't concentrate, restless, keyed up, right? You have a cigarette fixes your nicotine withdrawal. and the And the tobacco industry knows that. Like it knows that on average, your brain will need a cigarette about every 45 minutes. And if you're smoking every 45 minutes and you're awake 16 hours a day, that's 20 cigarettes. That's why they put 20 in a pack.
1: Oh, that's really quite extraordinary. So how long have we known this effect on the amygdala? Um,
0: Well, I think uh, I can't answer that definitively, but yes, for quite a while, we've understood that there is a pathway in the brain um, that, you know, is the cause of addiction. We still haven't learned everything, um, that we need to know about it. And we're still learning about addiction and how it works, but it's certainly, you know, I would say, uh, blame the cigarette, not the smoker. A lot of people think, oh, it's just a bad habit. It's something you can give up if you wanted to, you don't have any willpower. Nothing could be further from the truth.
1: And the question remains, why would anyone pick it up to begin with? And I want to ask you a little bit about that when we come back after the break. My guest today... On On Target is uh, Dr. Leslie Phillips. She runs the Quit Smoking and Vaping Program at Munns School of Pharmacies Medical Therapy Services Clinic, Tiffany Court here in St. John's. We'll be back right after this. Weekdays on VOCM. It's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Our guest today on On Target, and this is a National Non-Smoking Week, by the way, is Dr. Leslie Phillips, who runs the Quit Smoking and Vaping Program at the School of Pharmacy's Medication Therapy Services Clinic and uh, uh, Leslie I don't know how old you are but I can remember as a kid going to friends houses, fortunately I grew up in a household that there wasn't any smoking my parents didn't smoke but going to my friends houses and you could smell the smoke in the house and that sort of thing and their parents smoked and uh, it seemed like everybody smoked at the time, you saw relentless advertising on television, Uh, you saw smoking on television in interviews and other things. You um, you know, there'd be people doing an interview, in a news interview, and you'd see the ashtray on the table and the smoke rising, you know, in the studio and that sort of thing. Um, but all of that is, you know, it seems strange to us now. Even in bars, we don't have smoking anymore. So... Uh, the question is, are you seeing people picking up smoking anew now? Because one time people didn't have the information that they have now. Now they have the information. Smoking is kind of taboo everywhere.
0: Um, why would people pick it up? Well, I guess the good news is that fewer and fewer people are picking it up. So, I mean, uh, back in the 60s, um, one in two of us smoked. Um Today, well, 2020, um, about 15% of people in Newfoundland and Labrador smoke. Still higher than uh, the other provinces and higher than the national average, which is about 10.3%. But part of the reason why the rates are falling and they continue to fall is because fewer people are picking it up, which is great news. Um, it's also another reason, unfortunately, why the rates are falling is because smokers are dying. Um, because on average, you know, um, smokers will lose at least a decade of life expectancy as a result of their smoking. But, um, you know, something you said rings true to me, Linda. I, I remember one uh, smoker I had. And by the way, most of the smokers in my program are older. Um, so I'd say the average age of a smoker in my clinic is probably about 50. Uh, and it's a common thing when they'll come in and they'll say, you know, I never thought I'd still be smoking. I never thought I'd still be smoking at this age. Or, you know, I always thought I could just quit, but I can't. Because they don't start off, you know, hoping to get addicted to this. They start off typically at a young age. Um, and, uh, you know, it just gets out of control. And nowadays, it's not so much cigarettes that are the issue, it's vaping. And, and by the way, most of the e-cigarettes or vapes are, are owned by uh, the tobacco company. But um, I had one smoker who I remember said that uh, the cigarettes were passed out after supper for dessert. That's what they did in their house. He started when he was six years old.
1: My parents didn't smoke, but they had a pack of cigarettes to offer guests who came over. It's extraordinary when you think about it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. sure is. Um, Is vaping as addictive as smoking? Uh, Yes, it is. And, in fact, um, the concern in particular I have about vaping, and, I mean, we could do a whole show. I could talk about vaping for a whole week. But the thing about vaping is that innovate they use a particular type of nicotine called a nicotine salt and that formulation of nicotine uh, allows you to actually inhale way more nicotine without it burning your throat out essentially it's not nearly as irritating so you can end up consuming um, or inhaling tremendous amounts of nicotine so I'll just give you an example of um, so most popular these days uh, particularly with youth, are the vaping uh, pods. So the little device looks like a USB stick, and it's got a little pod full of e-liquid, and there's nicotine in that e-liquid that snaps in. And um, they are almost always have nicotine in them, and it's almost always a nicotine salt. So you might read the side of your um, little pod, and it says contains nicotine 1.6%. And you think to yourself, 1.6% is a tiny little pod, Linda, one or two mils, and you think, oh, that's nothing. So, but 1.6% is actually 18 milligrams uh, of nicotine in a mill. And if you have a two-mil pod, like a lot of the common cheaper products have two-mil pods, that's That's 34 milligrams of nicotine in a pod. That's 34 cigarettes, potentially. That's a lot of cigarettes. And uh, like I have a 16-year-old right now in my clinic who's smoking, uh, who's vaping two pods a day. That's 68 milligrams of nicotine. That's hard to get off.
1: Wow, so are the the harms the same because you mentioned that the tar in a cigarette is is the the ingredient that causes I guess the most harm and disease and death but are so is it as harmful to vape
0: as it is to smoke? I would say no, and for you know an individual who's been smoking a long time and they just can't seem to quit using uh conventional or approved uh you know um, quit medications and and, uh, behaviors and techniques, if you just can't seem to quit, uh, vaping can actually probably be a a form of harm reduction for you. So safer than smoking, but not safe. And older smokers, uh, you know, adult smokers can use e-cigarettes to quit, and some of them actually do quit successfully. About 65% of them, though, become dual users, Linda, where, where they're actually smoking and vaping. So you've got to have uh, intention there to quit and, you know, to switch over, um, to switch over exclusively if you want to be safer, because it's certainly not safe to do both. Uh, and while we know that um, e-cigarettes are probably well, safer than smoking because while they actually do have some of the same ingredients that are found in the tar, uh, they, they're present in, in lower quantities or concentrations. But we don't really know what concentration is safe. And in in honesty, e-cigarettes haven't been around that long. Since about 2010, it'll be another 20 years before we fully understand the long-term health consequences. My issue with e-cigarettes is more the fact that people who have never smoked, our youth are using them. And they're using them a lot. And again, to quote my vapor, I always thought I could just give it up. Do we understand, and you've
1: touched on it, but do we understand the effects of, of vapour, uh, you know,
0: on the lungs? Well, um, you know, uh, we know that it can cause difficulty with breathing. We know we've or you know, we've heard, like, uh, athletes, uh, you know, uh, find that they're uh, shorter of breath. Uh, We do, we're starting to see um, some issues with respect to uh, vaping and links to other, I mean, there was a serious lung disease uh, back a few years ago that was caused by vaping. It was actually an ingredient in the vape in which people died. Um, Chronic cough, um, it can cause that. throat irritation looks like potentially links now. with uh, vaping to heart attack and to stroke and there's some evidence that that uh, the the vaping is actually damaging the cells lining our blood vessels in much the way that the tar from a cigarette smoke does and it's that damage that really sets you up then um, for things like heart attack and stroke which sets up this cascade of a clotting uh, and clots and which causes heart attacks and strokes.
1: And I guess the definitive long-term effects, we still don't know them yet. That's correct. So it'll be probably another
0: 20 years before we know for sure.
1: I want to ask you a little bit more about uh, quitting and some of the challenges there when we come back after the break. Our guest today on On Target during this uh, National Non-Smoking Week is Dr. Leslie Phillips, who runs the Quit Smoking and Vaping Program uh, at the Medication Therapy Services Clinic. We'll be back right after this. And our guest today on on target is uh, with the uh, Munn School of Pharmacy's Medi- Medication Therapy Services Clinic. Dr. Leslie Phillips runs the quit smoking and vaping program there. And you talked a little bit about your program. You said it's uh, typically a hundred days. So, what does the program look like when you sit down with a um, with a client? Uh,
0: well. Um we have, uh, as, I, as I think I mentioned, we we have we have two sort of pre-quit uh, visits where we sit down. And we have a chat, really, about what they like and what they don't like, and um, we talk about really, you know, just kind of four steps, as I see it, to sort of quitting. So the first step, Linda, is to set a goal. Um, and you know that goal is might be different for different people. You, you might decide, for example, if you're a smoker that you want to quit. Somebody else might decide, well, I'm not ready to quit right now, but um, I am, well, you know, ready to make a uh, a reduction in how much I smoke or reduce how much I smoke. Some people combine the two, where they like to do something called reduced to quit, where I'm going to, I'm not, I don't want to quit like set a quit day and quit what I'm going to um, start to reduce now with a goal of quitting and the goal should always be ultimately quitting because even smoking a few cigarettes a day can be harmful but I would say make sure that you set a goal that's realistic that's attainable for you so you know when I get a smoker who the first day in has already quit and they've done it cold turkey I know that's not realistic for most smokers. About 95% of smokers will not quit cold turkey, only 4 or 5% of people who quit cold turkey will actually stay quit and it's because, you know, uh, nicotine addiction is, is so severe. So start by reducing perhaps how much you smoke, maybe cut back one cigarette a day or one cigarette a week or um, cut out uh, smoking in certain places. Maybe if you've smoked in your vehicle, decide, well, I'm not going to smoke in my vehicle anymore, or I'm not going to smoke in my home anymore. And then once you've achieved achieved your sort of what I'll call a little mini goal, then go set another. So we, we work with people to see sort of what their goals are.
1: Can you tell? Do. Oh, sorry. Um, no. I go was going to ask. Can you tell when someone sits down in front of you if they're ready? Um,
0: uh, yes. Uh, in the sense that lots of times they've self-referred. So uh, hopefully if I can get them in, you know, um, and they're not on the wait list too long, um, uh, you know, they do have motivation to quit. And I'll often ask them, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, where's quitting right now as a a priority in your life, how important it it is to you. But the other interesting thing that I would say, uh, Linda, is that motivation may not matter. So there's never really a bad time to quit. And although it helps if you're ready to quit or you want to quit, it's not the be all and the end all. There's actually a really good uh, study um, that was published, I believe, around 2016 that took 3,000 smokers and they randomized them according to their readiness to quit. So if uh, you uh, went in the readiness to quit group, if you were ready to quit or um, you got uh, a quit med, it was called the usual care group, sorry. So if if you went in the usual care group and you were ready to quit, you got a quit med. If you weren't ready to quit, they just gave you some education and stuff, but they didn't, you know, aggressively pursue helping you quit. And the second group was a proactive care group where they proactively offered everybody in that group quit medications regardless of their readiness to quit. And the uptake of quit meds and the quit rates at one year were way higher in that proactive care group. So what I take from that is maybe motivation doesn't matter. Maybe this, you don't feel like this is the right time for you, but if you keep waiting for the time to be perfect, It'll probably never be perfect. You can quit at any time. And I always say to people, just put on a a patch. Put on a nicotine patch. Let's just see what happens.
1: And does that work? Does that help people to uh, control those cravings?
0: Yes. So, I mean, the step two is consider a quit medication because quit medications double or triple your chances of quitting successfully. Uh, and there were four of them. Uh, there were nicotine replacement products. And remember I said nicotine is not the harmful part of the cigarette. So you're switching out the the, the nicotine and the tar in a cigarette to a nicotine or a nicotine-like product with a quit medication. So it's like clean nicotine. Uh, And they double to triple your chances of quitting. So there's nicotine replacement products, uh, and there are uh, two prescription products, uh, one called Zyban and another one called Champix. And there's um, a natural health product called Crave uh, that's also available now. And, um, you know, they all increase your chances of quitting. Because smoking is not a bad habit, it's an addiction to nicotine, and these medications help manage that addiction
1: is there a worry though because it is also um, you know you're used to like you said now you're used to sitting down and having that cup of coffee and a cigarette or you're used to uh, having a cigarette when you're driving to work or whatever some of those habit forming uh, parts of the addiction and uh, so let's say you're wearing a nicotine patch and you are having your coffee and it just feels right to have that cigarette while you're having and and you've got the patch on I I think of Krusty the clown (laughs) with the Simpsons, who's covered in nicotine <laughs> patches and has still got four or five cigarettes in his mouth. Um, yes. You know, can it cause greater problems?
0: No. So, one of the great myths that's out there uh, is that if you can't smoke while you're wearing the patch, or if you smoke with the patch, you're going to have a heart attack or stroke. That is so not true, but you still hear it. And even I hear it sometimes from healthcare professionals. It's an old myth that just won't die and it needs to, frankly, it is okay to smoke with the patch on. And in fact, if you're smoking with the patch on, what that tells me is you're not getting enough nicotine and I need to increase your dose. So it's really important to talk to your healthcare care provider. Uh, go to the pharmacy. They sell the nicotine patches, the pharmacist there is able to advise you based on how much you're smoking, how much nicotine you need for starters, but then the follow-up is really important too, because if you're smoking, slipping up, if you're having a lot of cravings, that simply means, you know, we need to adjust your nicotine and increase it slightly.
1: Do you need a prescription for a patch?
0: You don't. You don't need a prescription uh, for any of the nicotine replacement therapies. There's the long-acting patch, which provides nicotine over uh, a 24-hour period, and then there are short-acting nicotine products. There's a gum, and there's a lozenge, and there's a little inhaler, and there's a mouth spray. And uh, if you use both together... Uh, it's more successful than either alone. So you wear your patch all day, which gives you like this sort of constant amount of nicotine in your system. But maybe you're still having some cravings. You know, you come across a trigger, like you said, you got your cup of coffee and all of a sudden you get this urge to smoke. So that's time to pick up your short acting product, like your lozenge or your gum or your spray, and use that and temporarily top up your nicotine just to get through that craving.
1: uh, You talked about myths, but another, I don't know if it's a myth or it's true, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about it, and I want to talk to you about it after the break, is uh, people who say, you know what, I tried to quit, but I gained like 20 pounds. I can't do that anymore. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that when we come back after the break, right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Our guest today is Dr. Leslie Phillips with the Quit Smoking and Vaping Program at the School of Pharmacy's Medication Therapy Services Clinic. And um, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, uh, habits and all that sort of thing, and I've heard, and and myths, and I've heard quite a few people say, you know what, I quit smoking and look at me, I can't fit my pants anymore. Um, (laughs) Do people gain weight when they uh, quit smoking?
0: Well, I'm going to preface what I'm going to say now by weight can be lost, but lungs cannot. But, um, yes, not everyone gains weight when they quit smoking, but on average I would say most people probably gain between 5 to 10 pounds. That weight gain certainly is not as bad for your health uh, as is smoking. And, in fact, you can think of smoking really as putting – Uh, as much strain on your heart as carrying around probably an extra 70 to 100 pounds of body weight. So smoking, much more harmful. But it's easy to see why people gain weight when they quit. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is because if you're a heavy smoker, you're actually burning calories smoking, about 200 calories a day. Smokers, I think, often avoid snacking between meals by lighting up a cigarette instead. When you quit smoking, you miss that hand-to-mouth action of smoking, and you may replace that with hand-to-mouth eating and snacking. Crunchy things like potato chips, and you know, junk food sort of things, crunchy things are, uh, um, in particular smokers seem t- to like. Plus... Eating is another one of those things that triggers that part of your brain to give you that dopamine fix. So all of those things can contribute uh, to uh, someone gaining weight when they quit. So I guess the next question is what do you do to avoid it? So exercise is a big one. Exercise will help you, you know, from gaining weight. It will also help you quit smoking. It'll help you manage stress, uh, you know, and stress is a big trigger for, for a lot of people uh, who quit smoking. It'll keep you busy. It's something healthy to do. It, You know, it's great for anxiety. So 30 to 40 minutes of exercise at least three times a week uh, would be awesome. Think about what you're, you know what you're um putting in your mouth for that hand hand to mouth sort of action. have healthy snacks on hand to munch on to manage craving so crunchy vegetable sticks celery carrot apples. I had one person who cut up um a carrot sticks so because they used to smoke in their car, so they just put carrot sticks in a bag cigarette size and they crunched on them you know um f- uh, fresh fruits. Fat-free frozen yogurt. Drink lots of water. Avoid the sugar drinks because they're high in calories. Uh, don't keep high-calorie junk foods in your house. If they're there, they're like cigarettes. You're going to turn to them. And watch the alcohol because alcoholic drinks like beer really high in calories. Plus, alcohol is often a trigger for a lot of smokers. And, of course, it can impair your judgment and cause you to slip up and start smoking again.
1: I've heard some people say, you know what? I quit smoking and I cut back on drinking or I quit smoking and I don't go to clubs as much anymore. Uh, You know, little weird, you know, personal things. Um, There's also people I know who, you know, we've all uh, been in a workplace where someone said, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out right now. I need to go get a cigarette. And they're gone and they take that 10 minute break and they have their cigarette and they cool down and they come back. Um, How important is that for uh, relief? stress is smoking a stress reliever or does it cause more
0: it is absolutely not a stress reliever um, but it feels like one Uh, and here's why so nicotine is a stimulant stimulants increase your heart rate and they increase your blood pressure when you have a cigarette your blood pressure goes up so does your heart rate that's the opposite of stress uh, stress relief right high blood pressure Uh, increased heart rate, those are signs of stress, not stress relief. But why do smokers say that they think that the cigarette provides some stress relief, when in actual fact, it's making stress work uh, worse. It's because of nicotine withdrawal. So, um, like, um, remember, I talked about every forty-five minutes on average, most smokers go into nicotine withdrawal. Well, what are those symptoms, Linda? Headaches, anxiety, irritability, difficulty concentrating. So, if you're already under stress and then you go into nicotine withdrawal, it makes the stress much worse. So what do I do then? I go outside or somewhere, I, I take, uh, you know, a break from my stress, uh, and I smoke. And when I smoke, I'm actually fixing that nicotine withdrawal. And that relieves a lot of my symptoms that I thought were symptoms of stress, but in fact were nicotine withdrawal. What we have to do is get people to figure out how they can take a break without inhaling 7,000 chemicals, many of which are carcinogens, while they're doing it. So, again, exercise is a great idea. Yoga is a great idea. You know, uh, listen to music. Talk to a friend. Go out and have your break. Just don't light up deep breathe, uh, make sure you get a good night's sleep. There's lots of meditation and mind collapse now that a lot of people find uh, helpful. So all those things. But yeah, smoking, not a stress reliever. Can people successfully quit on their own or are they going to need a little help along the way? Well, the overall quit on your own rate in Canada is about 7%. So seven out of 100 smokers. So quit quit on your own. So you, you talked about something really early in the program about your friends on Facebook about the support. So follow-up support greatly increases your chance of quitting. Quit meds greatly increase your chance of quitting. Um, so I would say there's a couple of things that are important when you're quitting. You know, um, make a list of your reasons for quitting. Put them on your bathroom mirror. Make sure you got quit meds. Make sure you got the right dose. Make sure you're using them uh, correctly. Figure out what your triggers are and how you're going to manage them. You know, um, if it's coffee, maybe you go into work and have your coffee, because you can't smoke in there. You know, have a plan for how you're going to manage cravings, whether it's the carrot sticks, or chew on a toothpick, or get a fidget spinner, or what to keep your hands and your mouth busy. Think about how much money you're saving. If you're a pack a day smoker, you're spending about seven thousand bucks a year on cigarettes. If you're a two pack a day, that's over fourteen thousand dollars. And what you might do with that money, you know, take it one day at a time. Uh, don't let your guard down too early. I find a lot of people either, you know, number one reason why I think why people quit smoking uh, don't or uh, sorry slip up is because they're either not using enough of a dose of their quit medication. Uh, Or they smoke and somebody's told them to take it off and then they relapse. So dose too low, uh, not wearing it uh, properly, uh, not wearing it every day. Or they've quit for a while and then they get sort of overconfident and say, oh, I don't need this anymore. And they toss it away. Another common issue smokers have is thinking you can have just one. You can't. Uh, you know, it is an addiction. We have a little saying here, you're only a puff away from a pack a day. Another common cause is that you underestimated that trigger. Maybe you went out, like you said, to a social event, um, uh, you know, and you had a few drinks. You normally drink with your cigarette Plus, there were other smokers around, uh, and you didn't plan properly for that event. And so you had a few drinks. It appeared to your judgment. You were having cravings. You got access to the cigarette. Bam. Next thing you know, you're smoking, you know. So plan for it ahead of time. Limit how much you drink. Maybe switch up your drink um, to something different. And use your short-acting nicotine before you go and take it with you. Uh, don't and keep it, cigarettes around. And it That's strikes a bad me that too.
1: it's okay to slip up. Uh, it's okay to say, all right, well, I slipped up. I'm smoking again, um, but I'm going to try quitting again.
0: That's really important. That is probably one of the most important points. So thank you for bringing it up. Yes, quitting smoking is hard. Slips are the norm. And I, we have a little saying, it's a bit corny, but a slip is not a fall. Uh, If you have an all-or-none attitude about slipping up, it'll be really difficult for you to quit. What you have to do is forgive yourself and learn, gee, I slipped up. What caused that slip? What could I do differently next time?
1: And, of course, uh, you say that the program is free. How can people get in touch with you? And are there, um, I guess, alternatives for people who don't have a a quick
0: and easy access to the St. John's area? Yeah, so we will actually uh, take people, uh, we do phone visits, and we also have video conferencing. So you don't have to be in the St. John's area for us to help you. We do have some sample NRT as well that we can provide. We, we don't have a lot, but we mostly give it to low-income folks or the working poor who don't have, you know, other means to quit. Because for the first little while, you know, you're still smoking and you have to incur the cost of the quit medication. So um, that we can only obviously provide if, if you're close by. But otherwise, we can reach you wherever you are now. But our number to call is 864 864- Two two seven four, or you can check us out uh, uh, at www.mtsclinic.ca, or you can email us at mtsclinic@mun.ca. So
1: once again, that is the, let me get it straight now, the Quit Smoking and Vaping Program, Munn School of Pharmacy's Medical Therapy Services Clinic here in Tiffany Court in St. John's, 864-2274. If you want some help or have a uh, chat with uh, the folks there, or www.nts.clinic.ca. MTSclinic.ca. Oh, MTSclinic.ca. That was where yep. my pen stopped. Look. <laughs> really <laughs> appreciate your time, Dr. Leslie Phillips. And uh, for all those who are quitting smoking, good on you. And for all those who want to quit smoking,
0: good on you as well. Yes. Thank you to you, Linda, and to VOCM. You're such great support for helping us get the word out. And, uh, yeah, let's help everybody quit. We got this. We can do it. Really appreciate a little bit of help.
1: Thank, you, Thank so much. you so much. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, do ch- don't ch- uh, join us then. Um, Greg Pretty, new president of the FFAW, will be joining us on On Target tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone.